Say good evening. Greet you in Christ's name. It's good to be here with you tonight again. I want to express gratitude to all those folks who have shown tremendous hospitality to the visiting preacher as he's toured around your community. Um, you know, kind and hospitable folks. I do appreciate that a lot. You, the ladies right, right up there with the, with the best of them and the food and so on. But I really also want to express appreciation for your attentiveness during the services. I have not been distracted by what you've been doing. You've been supportive. And I appreciate the prayers. Um, it was a real encouragement to me to know that before every meeting we basically go down and and sit around in a circle and the ladies sit upstairs and, and pray for it. I, uh, over the years, have become more and more aware that any good that happens out of a series of meetings like this is, is up to the Lord. It's His Spirit working. He uses His Word. And I just want to be a vessel for Him. Um, Thank you so much for your hospitality. Thank you for, especially to Mary, Sue, and Dennis for hosting me there last week. It's been a a very ideal place to stay. They treated me very, very well. Tonight is the wrap-up night of our series on Walking Together. And the title of tonight's message is A Clean Slate, Keeping a Clean Slate, The Ability to Forgive. Dirt in a lot of situations is not good. You get dirt down into gears in machinery and it does nasty things. You get dirt down into... uh, Oh, if you... Dirt in many cases needs to be cleaned up, especially in relationships. Um, we're probably more sensitive to the fact that we need to keep a, a close, um, a short tab on our relationship with God, but that's also true with each other. Don't allow, please, things to build up in a relationship. They need to be cleared out. There is a tremendous freedom. I know you have experienced it when you've had something bothering you. Something has been there with some other brother or sister or son or daughter or whomever that's just been hanging on. It's just been hanging on. It's been bothering you. You haven't gotten the courage together or you haven't taken the time to clear that up. And uh, if you're like me, once you make the extra effort to speak to someone or give them a, send them a note or do something that, that allows you to, to, to uh, take care of a situation, the, the clean feeling, the clean feeling of, of a relationship that now is, is okay is, is, uh, is very much what God intends for our relationships. I'm a sinner. And no offense attend, uh, intended for you, but you are also sinners. And as we walk together, we damage each other. I've been damaged by my relationships. You have damaged others in your relationships. There is, it's going to happen in relationships that we hurt each other. 
As Christians, God has freely forgiven us our sins and our relationship with Him is clear and clean. I trust that's the case. In order for our relationship with our fellow humans to remain clear and clean, there must also be a mechanism in place to clean up messy situations. And one of the provisions is that there can be forgiveness. I can extend forgiveness to you. You can extend forgiveness to me. We're both going to mess up. And as we extend forgiveness, we are basically uh, clearing the decks, if you will. We are basically saying that you don't owe me anything. The account is cleared out. The account is, is it's all satisfied. Uh, it's just like I, I've wiped the books and there is no debt outstanding. What you have done, if it may have been intentional or unintentional, what you have done and, 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 and harmed me, it's taken care of. Doesn't mean it's not costly on my part to do that. It often is very costly and very tough at times to do that. But when I, when I forgive, if I really truly forgive, I'm saying the, the slate is clear. There's no, no more, don't worry about a thing, it's all taken care of. You are clean and our relationship can get on, get on with life, if you will. We have to learn how to keep a clean slate. We have to be willing to do what's necessary to have a clean slate. Our continued walking together in peace is dependent on us maintaining a clean slate. I'm going to begin with a couple of scriptures. One that is very, very familiar probably to you is Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Kindness, tender heartedness are involved here in forgiving one another. And we do it um, because Christ has, God has forgiven us for Christ's sake. Then there is this scripture, and uh, I'll be frank with you, I'll be candid with you. I have looked at this scripture and I've, I've marveled at the severity of it. And it is, it is, there's not a lot of loopholes that can be uh, manufactured into this scripture. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. To me, that, um, that's an ultimatum. If I'm harboring bitterness towards someone, if I am unwilling to forgive someone, this scripture comes right around to haunt me. It comes around right around to me and say, Sam, you know, yeah, it's a bad thing that happened to you. But if, if you don't forgive, if you are unwilling to forgive, your heart will become hardened and you will not be able to receive God's forgiveness. You will not be able to receive God's forgiveness. It's, there's just nothing really much more to say than that. God's forgiveness 
is tied to our soft heart, our heart that is grateful for his forgiveness and is willing to forgive our brothers and sisters. An example that has always impressed me is that of Joseph from the Old Testament. Joseph, to me, is one of the best uh, examples of forgiveness. We know the story. Joseph uh, was sold into slavery by his brothers. And I'm sure he was deeply hurt by what they did to him. The rejection that he experienced, the fact that they would, his own brothers would, would sell him down the river, if you will. I'm sure he felt very lonely, very rejected, very, very abandoned. I'm sure there are times when he felt totally discouraged and abandoned in that dungeon that he later on was placed in by the ruler there in Egypt. I'm sure there were times when he vowed revenge in his heart for the terrible way that his brothers had treated him. It would have been natural for him to say, I'm going to make them... I would like to make them feel some pain. I would like them to experience some of the pain that I have. And the account in Genesis doesn't even detail all the suffering that Joseph went through. If you look in the, in the Psalms, it, there's a Psalm that says they placed his feet in leg irons. They cruelly mistreated Joseph. He was not having a picnic there in the dungeon. We know the story. Eventually the good times came for Joseph, and it didn't hurt so bad. And then there was the opportunity to use his power to inflict pain. He was probably tempted to get even. But somewhere, somewhere in that prison, Joseph learned to forgive. I don't know what it was that God worked with him. I don't know what God brought to bear in his mind. But somewhere along the line, he learned to forgive. And the key to forgiveness, I found in a personal sense, and I think, I'm sure that's what Joseph found as well, is to recognize God's hand in everything that happens to me. God's hand is involved in everything that happens to me. If you read the story of Joseph, and, and do that sometime in the near future, read the story of Joseph, and again and again you'll hear the little, read the little phrase, but God was with him. But God was with him. If you were to, to designate a hero in the story of Joseph, it wasn't Joseph, it's God. And God was with him and working in his life. And then that fateful day came when he stood as the ruler in the country and his brothers were there in front of him. And I'm sure there was a temptation to, to take out revenge. Right here I am, I can do anything I want now to these people who had treated me so terribly. But he stood before his brothers and forgave. I invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis 45. I want to read a few verses there from Genesis 45. Verses 4 to 8. Genesis 45. The story of Joseph forgiving his brothers. And Joseph, verse 4 of 45, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, 
whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore do, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So not was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Notice the relationship that Joseph had to God. He kept crediting God for doing and for working in his life. And, and even in this, this terrible experience in which the brothers sold him away, he says, it was God that did it. You, you, meant, you meant evil. He says in another place, but God meant it for good. Forgiveness is is not easy when the, when the matter has been very hurtful. And I was sharing a series of meetings here almost two, uh, going on two years ago, very similar to these, and had just come through a uh, forgiveness situation. And it was especially poignant to me to understand how forgiveness can be very, very difficult when we've been terribly hurt, when we've been rejected, when we've been uh, lied about, when we've when bad things have happened to us. Forgiveness sounds good on the surface, but it is it comes with a price. It comes with a price on our part. It may be free to the one we're forgiving, but it comes at a price. We are assuming damage. We are freeing someone else. It's not easy. It requires us to give our hurts to God. It requires us to take concrete action. It requires true forgiveness on our part. There's no other way for the Christian to live and go forward in life. I don't know if you read the story. Um, this is quite some years ago. March 24th, 1998, Jonesboro, Arkansas was the lead story in every news report. Two students, Mitchell Johnson and Andrew Golden, fired 22 shots on their classmates. They murdered four students and a teacher, Shannon Wright, who was 32 years old. Time magazine had an interview with Mitchell Wright, the husband of the slain teacher, in April of 1999, a little over one year after the senseless tragedy. In the interview, Mr. Wright said, the ballistics report showed that the Johnson boy fired five shots and had five direct hits. He hit one person in the head. He hit my wife in the chest and the knee and two girls in the knee area. The shooter, Wright recalls, stood up in court and said that he was sorry, that he was not trying to kill anyone, and that he and his friends, friend were shooting over the heads of the teachers and students, that it was just to scare them. The anger rises in Wright's voice. I don't buy that. But by it or not, Wright knew that he must fight against being consumed by rage. He began on the very Sunday after the horror, asking his church family for support. The stakes, he realized, were high. First, there was his three-year-old son, Zane. When my wife was dying, she said, I love you and take care of Zane. Well, if I lose it, then I can't take care of him. And then there was the spiritual issue. If you let the hate and anger build in you, that's a very strong sin, he said softly. I need to be able to totally forgive. 
And what does that entail? To me, forgiveness would be that when these boys get out, I can see them on the street or in Walmart and not want to. His voice trails off. He concedes I'm not at that point yet. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's a Christian virtue. We can all relate to this. The opportunity is there throughout life. If you're not forgiving, you are building a huge storehouse of grief and misery in your life. Can we learn what Joseph learned? To forgive, to allow God to work that grace in our lives. Okay, I'm going to go through some of the basics of forgiveness. First, the meaning of forgiveness. What does it mean? It is not as simple as it can be portrayed. It is a a complex situation sometimes. Is it forgetting? Is that what forgiveness is? Is it uh, letting time heal things? Is it excusing the wrongdoer? Is that what it is? If I'm the one who has been wrong, does it mean that I have to take the first step? These are all hard questions. I have several points that I'd like to make here with the meaning of forgiveness. The first one is the promise not to seek revenge. If I forgive, I am promising to not try to get even. I am not going to seek revenge. And that sounds, well, well, that's, you know, sure. I'm not going to go hit this guy who hit me. No, you're not. But are you going to seek revenge of some type? If you have an intention or you want to, to, to inflict pain where pain has come your way, you have not yet forgiven. The promise to not seek revenge is a huge promise. I have been wronged. I have been cheated. I have been hurt. I have been ignored. I have been overlooked. I have been falsely accused. And the natural response is to seek revenge for that hurt. I want to get back at the one who hurt me. I want to hurt the one who hurt me. I want to make him pay for what I've experienced. I want to even the score, if such a thing is possible. I want them to feel what I was feeling with a little interest added, perhaps. When I forgive, I make the promise to not seek that revenge. Talk about that just a little bit later as it relates to the Lord. The second point in this is that forgiveness is the promise to not bring up the offense again. To not bring it up again. This is one of the harder parts I find in my own experience is to not bring up the offense in my own mind, especially. Just to bring it up and and, and just to dwell on it. Um, I won't bring it up. If I'm forgiven, I won't bring it up before the offender. I will not remind him again of what he has done. I will not bring it up before others. I will not talk about how someone has wronged me. And I won't bring it up before myself. I will consider the matter closed. My experience, I'm not sure if it's typical or not, but I found that this is not an instant process. Many times it takes a lot of a lot of dedication and prayer on our part. Especially when the, the forgiveness need is fairly large. Maybe it's some friend who betrayed you, who you thought you were really, really, you were pretty close. And then it really hurts. And it takes a, a period of time to work through this. I don't think that we can say it's, it's always instantaneous that this forgiveness happens. But we have to start the process. We have to be willing to go there. 
and with God's grace you can. Thirdly, the meaning of forgiveness. Not keeping a record of wrongs. And that was found in that uh, scripture we looked at this morning in 1 Corinthians 13. Not keeping a record of wrongs. Peter asked the Savior, how many times shall I forgive? Does seven sound like a good number? I might be able to do that if I try very hard. Jesus said not seven times, but 490 times. Now, 490 times is not a magic number, as you may have suspected, but it's a number that you will not try to count up to. In other words, unlimited. Unlimited, unlimited is what it's trying to say. That's the number of times we need to forgive. We don't document the times like a little cheat sheet and say, well, okay, he, he did it here, number one, he did it here, two. You don't go down through and document it. You drop it. Number four, the meaning of forgiveness is letting go of my hurt. There is a certain satisfaction in continuing to stir up my hurt. It can almost become a way of life if you're not careful. You sit there in your mind and you just review it. And you continue to review it. And, and there's even a tendency i found to, to magnify it over a period of time. And it just becomes worse. And, and you spend time and you poke around with it. Letting go of my hurt means turning loose the grievance. We may never forget, but we don't stir up things in our mind. We let go of them. And I don't know what mechanism you may use, but one of the things I've done is just, if the thing comes up, that's it, drop it. Just in my mind, I say, that, that's done. I'm not going there. And it takes some real perseverance and patience and God's help to be able to say that, no, 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 I'm not going there again in my mind. Even though my mind would, would enjoy spending time on that. I read the story of a, of a lady who approached her pastor and it illustrated to me what letting go of my hurt means and told him a tale of not being able to forget a wrong that had been done to her. She had forgiven the person, but she kept rehashing the incident and so couldn't, go, couldn't sleep. The kindly pastor pointed up to the bell tower on the top of his church. Up there, he said, is a bell that is rung by pulling on a rope. But you know what? After the sexton lets go of the rope, the bell keeps on swinging. First ding and dong, and then slower and slower until there is a final dong and it stops. I believe it is the same way with forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hand off the rope. But if we have been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we mustn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming up for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bell slowing down. We need to let go of the rope and the bell will stop. I think that's forgiveness. Letting go of the rope. Letting go of the rope. And we want to talk just a bit of how that can be done. Okay, who is affected by my willingness to forgive or not forgive? We have throughout the week been looking at the relationship circles intersecting. There is self, there are others, and there's God. 
And all three of those entities are affected by my willingness to forgive or not being willing to forgive. First of all, myself. Here more than anywhere, God cannot work in a heart that is unforgiving, one that is bitter, one that is selfishly holding a grudge, one that has lost his thankfulness for forgiveness from God. I will hurt myself maybe more than anyone. Storing up the hurts until they turn into acids and cancers in my life. Others also are are impacted by my lack of forgiveness or, or my forgiveness. Mostly those that are the closest to me. My wife, my children. Others in our closest circle of acquaintance. They may be held at arm's length. The mistakes sometimes are just a result of misunderstanding, but the relationship is on hold because of the lack of forgiveness. They can't understand what's wrong. They don't feel well, they don't feel welcome in our lives. They often don't know how to help or really what is wrong. And finally, God is impacted. He cannot overlook sin, whose nature is so holy and just, and he abhors even the thought of sin. He whose compassion for the sinner caused him to come to this sinful earth, looking down in love on us, knowing our frame that we are but dust, willing to pay the price to take care of our sin problem. He who, as much as he loves us, cannot forgive those who harbor bitterness in their heart toward others. Why is it so hard to forgive? I have a number of points I'd like to make. The first one is because we like the feeling of having something to hold. It becomes a crutch for us and we keep going back to it. It seems like we have power over the one who has wronged us. It gives us a feeling of martyrdom. It seems to give us an edge in the equation. It gives us a rallying point for our thoughts. We grow accustomed to it. We grow familiar with it. And it is somewhat of a security to us to always be able to look back at what someone did to us. Number two, because they did the wrong, not us. Seems to be a sense of justice in us that says we don't need to forgive. We are not the guilty party. Why should the innocent party have some responsibility? Why isn't it logical that the one who is offended be required to make amends? What is the thing that we have done wrong? We should not have to forgive, or should we? God forgave us. If we ask for justice, it would be a terrible thing from God. Being like God is all about forgiving. When Joseph forgave his brothers, he became more like God. Number three, because we like to think we're better than others. We are not guilty. They are guilty. And we feel somehow superior in comparison to them. We feel self-righteous and a little bit of a martyr on top of it. And number four, because we don't want to. We don't forgive. We'd rather enjoy this side of things. We, are, we like being on this side of the wrong. We like to watch others squirm and because of selfishness.
the practical side of the message tonight is is to begin now, and I want to give you reasons to forgive, and then how we can accomplish that. Some pointers on how we can forgive. The reasons to forgive, number one, my desire to be obedient to God. If I want to be obedient to God, I will need to forgive. The scripture that we read earlier, get rid of all bitterness, the apostle writing to the Ephesian church, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. What happens if we don't forgive? Bitterness is what happens. Bitterness happens. If we hold and do not forgive, we start developing bitterness. And I could spend the evening telling you the terrible things that bitterness will bring into our lives. But bitterness will happen. The seed of bitterness gets down into the soil of our heart and it starts growing and sprouting. Anger is often also a result. You see an angry person... That person probably is struggling to forgive or is not forgiving or is not willing to forgive. I, uh, as a gentleman in our church who is he's no longer a member, he was a member for at one time, but the man is angry. He is just angry. Very, very angry. And if you start talking to him, and, and, and he will list his whole line of grievances that are still on his slate. I think that anger is, is a huge result of lack of forgiveness. Bitterness will result. In order to forgive, we'll need to allow God to work within us a tender heart, kindness. An unforgiving heart becomes hard and bitter. It has lost its tenderness. Number two, reasons, it's the best response to hurts. Relationship hurts, it's probably the only response that will be effective. As we mentioned earlier, hurts will happen because we're human, we're imperfect, we're sinners, and we will hurt others, they will hurt us. Other options are not part of God's plan. Revenge isn't an option. Carrying a grudge is not an option. Other options are harmful to us. The emotional stress of holding a grudge. The emotional energy involved in anger. It's the best response to hurts is to forgive. Number three, God cannot work in an unforgiving heart. There's a story about uh, a General Oglethorpe who speaking to John Wesley. And he said, I never forgive and I never forget. To which Wesley re responded, then, sir, I hope you never sin. Because God's forgiveness cannot happen if you don't forgive. Mark 11.25, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven 
may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is almost synonymous with Christian. We are saved because we have been forgiven. We are not saved because we are so good. We are still sinners, but we have been forgiven. And God can only forgive us as our heart is responsive to His promptings. And when we come to prayer, to God in prayer, there's a barrier that is present if we hold a grudge against anyone. Jesus said that if you are there standing and all, and, and doing your offering in the temple, and I'm sure everybody could visualize someone standing there and offering up their offering in the temple. If you're there standing and you're worshiping God, if something comes to your mind that is, that is, needs to be cleared up, he says, leave your gift right there on the altar, just drop it and go make whatever right, and then come back and offer it. There's something about a, a lack of forgiveness and a, and, a, and a relationship that is in trouble that seems to make our prayers just bounce off the ceiling. I don't, I don't know if I can explain it just to you, but your prayers aren't getting through. Your worship of God is not pleasing until you straighten out whatever it is that's in your relationships. Peter, writing to the general audience that he was writing to, said that uh, husbands... can't quote the scripture exactly, but he says, you know, take care of the relationship with your wife that your prayers be not hindered. The story is told of Leonardo da Vinci, who was painting the Last Supper on the ceiling. He had an intense, bitter argument with a fellow painter. Leonardo was so enraged that he decided to paint the face of his enemy into the face of Judas. That way the hated painter's face would be preserved for ages in the face of the betraying disciple. When Leonardo finished Judas, everyone easily recognized the face of the painter with whom Leonardo had quarreled. Leonardo continued to work on the painting, but as much as he tried, he could not paint the face of Christ. Something was holding him back. Leonardo decided his hatred toward his fellow painter was the problem, so he worked through his hatred by repainting Judas's face, replacing the image of his fellow painter with another face. Only then was he able to paint Jesus' face and complete the masterpiece. I'm not sure if that's a true story, but it illustrates the fact that if there is a, uh, a broken relationship where you're harboring um, resentment and bitterness towards someone, your prayers will be hindered. Your Free fellowship with God is impacted. Number four, reasons to forgive my desire to be a help to others. I want to be kind to the offender and to others. I have love in my heart for others. They felt prey to sin. They have done wrong. They need to forgive out of a heart of love. And because of the experience of God in our lives, we want others to experience the same thing. And we express our love to these people by forgiveness. Number five, 
I realize the results of an unforgiving heart. The anger that builds up in my life. The bitterness that can happen. And finally, number six, reasons to forgive the freedom I can enjoy when I release others. It's God's way of freedom and peace. It's God's way to restore relationships. I read the story about uh, the Civil War there in the South. Um, Robert E. Lee was the general for the Confederate Army. And uh, after the Civil War, he was visiting a Kentucky lady who told him about some damage that the Union troops had done on her property. Their, their uh, gunfire had destroyed an old tree in front of the house, and she was complaining to Lee about all the mess they had made. After a brief silence, Lee said, Cut it down, my madam, and forget it. We can complain. We can dwell on what people have done to us. Forgiveness says, cut it down, get rid of it. Stop bringing that up. It's not worth it. It's not worth all that. Finally, I'd like to go over some steps on the ability to forgive. Some of these I, I can vouch for personally. First one is the exercise of faith is required. Luke 17 verse 3 says, Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. What faith is he talking about? What faith did these these disciples need to have increased? The faith I believe that they're talking about is the faith in God being in control in my life. The faith that I need in order to overcome bitterness and, and, and forgive someone is to understand that God is in control in my life. God lets everything happen to me. God is in charge of everything that has happened in my life. He knows what He's doing. I can trust Him. Something bad happened to me. God allowed it. God allowed that to happen. God is in control. God is going to go to bat for me. And I have found that God does that. God goes to bat for you. I have experienced that. And when I watch and I'm I'm willing to wait on God and let God step up to the plate for me, there is such joy. There is such reassurance. And I say, God, thank you. Thank you very much. I didn't have to try to take my own revenge. I didn't have to try to go out there and, and, and beat up on anybody. God, you are taking care of it for me. I can trust you. I think that's what Joseph discovered. The faith that God is in fact in control, that He's working. The faith that allows me to accept the short end of the stick in this life with the assurance that it will be okay. Secondly, focusing on God rather than the one who harmed me. 
that's it's connected with the first point. Focusing on God rather than the one who harmed me. His goodness to me. His love. When others are doing unlovely things. His patience to help through the tough times. Looking at his example of forgiveness on the cross. Focusing on God rather than the one who harmed me. Thanking God for his great forgiveness. Number three, understanding the extent of my own need of forgiveness. I can never pay. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. It doesn't matter how good I think I am. I can never pay. I can never even make a down payment on the debt that I have been freely forgiven. story goes on there in Matthew 18. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. That's God. That's the way he works in our lives. He's a marvelous God. He's a loving God. He didn't have to, but he did. We need to remember that great payment that he did for us. Continuing on. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. That is a picture of us as we refuse to forgive when we have been forgiven so much. Finally, and this step may never be omitted, is asking God for strength. Sometimes, I don't think we can forgive on our own. You just run into a situation where you you, you want to, but you just can't seem to do it. And you need to cry out to God and say, God, I need your strength to do that. Keep asking. Keep coming to Him, asking for grace to carry out with this forgiveness. Allowing Him to make me strong. Corey Ten Boom shares this true story in her book, The Hiding Place. It was a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men. The heaps of clothing. Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying. Beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people in Blumendahl that the need to forgive kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. 
I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again I breathed a silent prayer, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that had almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it's not our forgiveness any more than it is our goodness that the world's, on which the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Forgiveness. It's a command. It's the best way to deal with hurts in relationships. We must forgive. I know there's people here in this room that are struggling to forgive. If you're at all like me, you, you, sometimes it can be a real struggle to forgive and to, to release from an old man to you. Do it. Do it. It's God's command and it, it will just clear things up. Freely you have received God's forgiveness. Freely give. Give that forgiveness. Drop that. Cut down the tree. Do whatever it takes. Drop it. Charge it to yourself. Charge it to whomever. Don't don't hold people on on in, on your part. Relationships are worth it. Relationships can be cleared up. God is willing to forgive. We seek His forgiveness and in turn forgive our brother and sister. It's a beautiful thing. It's a Christian thing. A clean slate gives us the freedom to walk with each other in a good relationship. The response from you. I've been debating this. I don't know if there's an appropriate way for you to respond. Will you commit to forgive? I guess I'm just going to have to leave it like that with you. Will you commit to forgive? Please do. Commit to forgive. Don't let harbor things. Go talk to your brother and sister. Try to resolve this thing. Don't let it build up. As it builds up, the dirt builds up, the grime builds up. You, you start, you start, uh, your relationship is, is going down. Forgiveness. God's forgiveness in ours. God bless you.